Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Sandal Edge podcast. Uh, this week, we are doing Mistborn Secret History, Part 5, Aya, and Chapters 1 to 4 of Part 6, Hero. I'm Dak, and with us as always is... Dita. Jamie. And Joe. So, yes, yeah, a bit of an odd numbering chapter system there, but uh, you know, ho- hopefully we all kept up. Uh, so, uh, in these parts, uh, Kelsia went off the edge of the map and found a weird castle sort of thing populated by some people with a very odd little goal and managed to troll them by convincing them he was ruined and stealing their stuff which <laughs> he is now taken taken back to the empire and is trying to use it in whatever way he can to help his friends from beyond the grave so without further ado let's get into it the sand lanch is about to begin push the kinetics a troubled spirit breaking through a bit of death to So we got, uh, there was some interesting stuff in these uh, seven chapters. So what did you guys think of what we read this week? I thought it was a lot of fun. Just really cool to see Kelsia doing his stuff. He's like, all right, the only thing I know is stealing stuff. So I'm going to go back and do that. And yeah, he was skulking around the castle, like using his new ghosty sort of form to sink into the walls and stuff. I thought that was really cool. And yeah, the bit where he actually holds up the group, like, yeah, does his whole little ruin act and winds up stealing everything from them. I thought that was just brilliantly executed. Like, man, he he's dead and he's just like struggling to make sense of his surroundings, but he still got it. Yeah, it's true. I mean, I don't know that we got to see him like con people that much. And he's like this famous con man in the one book that he was in. So this is kind of a nice he got to run a little con for us. Yeah. Yeah, I also thought that was probably the highlight of this week's chapters. It was a bit of fun. He was having a bit of fun. I sort of wish that we got a little bit more about the Irie in there, but I realise that they don't really have a very significant part to play other than getting this glowing orb to Kelsia. So hopefully we'll we'll sort of learn more about them in other books because there's, there's a few things that they sort of dropped in there that we're like, oh, I don't really know what that is. Um, mm-hmm. yep. But maybe that's that's at a later stage. But, yeah, I thought the way that he played them all was, was uh, quite fun. and. Yeah, I really liked how we sort of came back in to interacting with what we know from Hero of Ages and the the spirit following Vin and, and Vin's awareness of that and sort of Kelsey's interaction with, with Vin. You know, we'd sort of already thought about and, and possibly predicted to some extent when we were reading the books of, oh, maybe it's Kelsey, you know, interacting or maybe it's Kelsey doing this. And it's sort of nice to see that, yeah, okay, he did have some element of being able to interact but you couldn't always trust that it was Kelsia. It might have been Ruin's shadow mimicking Kelsia following Vin. And also really nice to see the sexy drifter has returned uh, <laughs> briefly. <laughs> like, oh, oh, yes. be happy. <laughs> but, yeah, a good good read. Nice to always get a little bit of extra information behind the scenes. So, yeah, it was fun. Yeah, and it's kind of funny that 
we did talk repeatedly about like what what is the spirit and maybe several times it was like could this be like like Kelsier the mist ghost or like a, another dead person and most of the time no it's not but we get like this one time here where it's like oh it it kind of was this one time for a little bit at least yeah so kind of I think when you I were least expecting it. Yeah, like when when it was the drifter, and I, I think that was the part of the story we came back into. That was when she was trying to find Hoyd, and then thought better of it or something. Yep. Because it wasn't really is, Hoyd, so drifter yep. was Hoyd. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So, and that that was a big one that I think we spoke about in the book too. So, yeah, like there's another Alamancer, you know, and it's, it's nice to see that Vin could sense something, but you know, she couldn't tell it apart, which you know. Gosh, she did pretty well to keep it keep herself sane as much as she did um, right. with all of this stuff being played around her and just having no idea who's manipulating her at any particular time. It's just, yeah, wow, how confusing. So this first section, man, I was I was kind of tripping balls the whole time. It was very <laughs> confusing to me. Uh, weird, like ethereal stuff, and then these like weird wizards. <laughs> Uh, I was like, wow, what have we stepped into? It almost seemed like a completely different style of book. Like, it was just, it was very kind of strange and different. And my mind was like, whoa, this is, this is trippy. Uh, so that whole portion was interesting. But then, yes, I did. I agree with the other two that the con man aspect of it, I think, is the most enjoyable because... We never have gotten to really see Kelsier in that way. So getting to see him that way was was a change. It was fun. It was different. And the fa- and the way that in which he conned them is very unique, obviously, to this portion of the story. Because in his life, he could have never pulled something off. No, you can't quite do like that. that. <laughs> no, not at all. And then the second portion, you know, because it wasn't a complete part, I feel like there's just a lot of unanswered. Uh, stuff kind of going on right now like Kelsier has now somehow taken the power Mm -hmm. and my 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 guess I'll just go ahead and throw this out at the head of the show here is that he's gonna somehow be responsible for investing it into Vin he's gonna find a way to push it into her when she's when she's confronted after she loses her earring and then again when she's in Luthadel so so yeah that's what I'm I'm guessing that's what I'm looking forward to so I'm excited to to finish it up well, it's kind of funny because Jamie theorized last week that it's like maybe like he'll have something to do with the power in between the time that preservation dies and Vin gets it. And then, sure enough, next set of chapters. Go me. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, it, it makes sense that someone, whether it was Kelsier or not, like someone had to take up that for a little while because what would Ruin do with the power? Like he would just destroy it, yeah. presumably, if, if other shards have have died in the past, like what happened to their power as well. So it's, yeah, we, we've got enough sort of time between preservation's passing and Vin taking up the power of preservation that something had to be there to hold it together. And it's quite clear that he doesn't really have a handle on any of it, um, <laughs> but he hasn't been, he hasn't been groomed to do that like Vin has. So, right. you know, even though she struggles obviously at the beginning, but she does manage to hold it together a little bit enough to, you know, destroy ruin. But yeah, it was nice to sort of see that. Okay, yep, that logically does make sense. Something does hold it together. And yeah, it'll be cool to see what happens when the time comes for Vin to take the power as well. Yeah, we must be getting pretty close. We only have five chapters left. So. Well, it was an epilogue. I guess. <laughs> Not much time for it. Okay, I guess let's get into these. 
this chapter starts out that he's just, man, I kind of hoped that the sun would come back after I got away from where Ruin was, but there's not even a sun out here. So I think we're kind of drifting into that space between worlds at this point where I was talking about last time where it's much, this interplanetary distances are much smaller out here in the cognitive realm, but apparently they're still kind of weird. And he finds a jungle out on the ocean, which is like, okay. And there's a cool detail about how he can like see the souls of fish or other like sea creatures floating around. Yeah, this is very just a, oh man, this is going to be like bright, colorful LSD sort of yeah, uh, right. vi- visuals if they ever adapt this part to the movie. And he, he navigates by, he can feel like his world pulling on him, like pulling him back. And so he's like, okay, if I go directly outward from that, maybe I'll find what I'm looking for. And it still, it takes a while. I feel like it takes him like a, days or weeks still to get out to where he eventually does find. He's like, he sees a light out there. And then it's just a great line where he's like, sneaking is way easier when you don't technically have a body. He can just, like, shove himself into the ground and, like, scoot up next to the thing that he finds, which is... It is cool to see him, like, interact so, I guess, confidently now in in that space. Because before it was like he's trying to pick things up and do things, but he's really got a handle on how to navigate and, and what he can and can't interact with. It was pretty cool. Yeah, and I guess that mostly happened like in that section that we didn't see where he started picking up all the different things that he had in his little yeah. backpack. Guess we didn't need to see all that necessarily. We already felt like the running went on a little bit longer than it needed to. So, mm. But he finds a fortress crafted of white stone that is kind of glowing because there's light pulsing from it. And he's like, I don't recognize. It doesn't flicker like it's fire. So is it limelight? Someone's discovered electricity out here. Or something, yeah. Yeah, that's what I was kind of expecting, too. I was like, ah, advancement in technology, eh? <laughs> <laughs> but at the back of the building, he finds an enormous glowing cord as thick as a large tree trunk that pulses with power the same shade as the walls and runs off into the distance. So it's like it's like this fortress has an extension cord that's plugged in somewhere. <laughs> far away. There's guards walking around. And he kind of he shoves himself into the ground so that just like the top of his head is showing and scoots up close so that he can get a good look. He's just humming the Jaws theme as he goes. <laughs> right. I would be. Or or the, the, the thing from Clerks where it's like sharks in the salsa. <laughs> but when he touches the glowy stone, he can't go through it like he can other walls. And in addition to that, he gets this like glimpse at another place, a place that he can tell is far away that has green plants and such. And he's like, oh, whoa. It says, these weren't stones, but the spirits of stones, like his spirit of a fire, they'd been brought here and constructed into a building. Suddenly, he didn't feel so clever at having found himself a staff in a sack. Which, yeah, this is <laughs> this is advanced cognitive realm technology compared to your, uh, yeah. I found a fire and I can tie it to the end of a stick. <laughs> yeah, this is where it gets, like, really trippy. You're just like, wait, what? The stones... Like, the very stones of the walls themselves have memories, and then he can, like, squeeze his fingers in there. Yeah. Well, I guess the stones have a purpose somewhere else, and their souls remember the purpose. And Something. Yeah, but they're still a soul, so you can still jam your fingers in a little bit. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, we're talking about folding up a campfire. Right. So there's, there's some element of not behaving exactly like they would behave. Stuff is in weird. In the real world. <laughs> yeah. <It's> just... <laughs> But yeah, he's like, he can see this other world that he's impressed. He's like, oh, they have green and green plants and a blue sky, just like Mare always talked about. 
It's another planet that didn't suffer the same fate as ours. I wonder, Jim makes an interesting point. Like, these stones, I guess, are stones somewhere else. So are they in the form of a fortress back where they live? Did you have to assemble the souls of the stones in just the same order when you showed up here? Hmm. Interesting. I don't know. That's date, man. <laughs> souls of stones. It sounds philosophical, but I don't know what, what you can make out of it. I got nothing. The name of stone. Hang on a minute. That sounds familiar. Yeah, wait. No, that's a different thing. <laughs> uh, he also thinks that the light looks kind of like the light of souls that he's seen before. So there's another little added whatever. But he finds out that even though he can't go through the wall, like someone said, he can stick his fingers in a little bit. And so he can climb by just creating his own handholds as he's going up the thing. Yeah. So mind Spider-Man. I got it. Yeah. <laughs> I, I like that he, he's thinking in the back of his mind, like, a piece of me always thought that Mare's whole flower thing was bull, but nope, it turns out that stuff really is uh, does exist and looks pretty, I guess, kind of. Look at how it's distracting him as he climbs. He's just like, oh, shut up, Stones. <laughs> <laughs> I'm busy. <laughs> and so he decides that the energy that's being kind of, like, piped in along this thing must keep the stones from evaporating, even though... Because remember, his campfire, once he took it far enough away, was starting to kind of rip apart. And so he's like, I guess have, putting this energy into him stops these stones from, like, disappearing. And it's like, and as a side effect, it stops people like me from getting through. So I guess, you know, it's a win-win for whoever is doing this. But he kind of... He, he, he manages to climb in a window and kind of is walking through some halls... And as he does it, he realizes that the energy of the place is touching him and even mixing with him a little bit. And in a few moments, he starts to think of the place with green plants as if it looked normal. But on the plus side, this energy mixing with him, uh, he hears some people talking and the language seems strange. But after a moment, he starts to be able to understand it. He's like, yes, they speak the language of the place these stones and the power came from. So somehow being suffused with this power helps him understand what they're saying okay yeah right it's just like uh, all right if you say so yep yep go along with that um we're in, we're in the freaky thought realm with us with a stuff where the stones can think <laughs> and they so, know how to speak so that just makes me wonder can the trees in this realm think was quan right yep, all along Quan has been right all along exactly although i get he keeps saying when he's going through the plants and stuff that it's not like they're not like the spirits of plants they're actually plants growing here somehow yeah. So I guess maybe it's not the same. I don't know. But the guards are reporting to some people saying that they're they're pretty sure they saw something. Another guard is like, well, how would a threnodite have made it all the way here? It defies reason, I tell you. Kelsier's listening. He's like, I don't even know if they can harm me, but it's probably best not to find out. So if they're here, probably they have something cooked up to defend themselves from people like you, one would think. Although apparently people like him are not super common, so... Still, why risk it? Yeah. And so a group of guards, he follows them to this room where a large yellow gemstone the size of his fist is glowing, even brighter than the walls, surrounded by a lattice of metal. And they kind of do something with it. He's like, geez, that gemstone must be worth like a fortune. That's awesome. And uh, as they're working on it, somebody else shows up. <laughs> he doesn't even call it someone else. He's like, the creature then entered. It seemed mostly human, dried up. The woman had puckered lips, a bald scalp, and strange silvery dark skin. She glowed faintly with the same blue-white light as the walls. Yeah, it's 
It's weird, man. I the first thing that came to my mind. Well, first, the, actually, the first thing that came to my mind was an inquisitor because he said that creature, uh, or the creature. And the second thing I was like, is this a drow? Are there elves now? I don't. I'm confused. Yeah. Silvery dark skin doesn't sound like you know like black like a drow, but I can see. Yeah, I, I can see like the similarities. Yeah. I just imagined how good everyone looks like in like hospital lighting. <laughs> it always gives you that like washed out grossness look about you i was like oh that sounds like a nice place to live <laughs> i, I kind of pictured this as um Anne hathaway from the witches under some very harsh lighting so the guards called this new creature ancient one probably just a false alarm ancient one which maybe fits because ruin was like i'm gonna go out there and visit those guys they've lived way too long so maybe ancient one actually makes sense but somebody saw kelsier rock up to the wall kind of test it and then leave. And he's like, oh, geez, I was not as stealthy as I thought, I guess. And the ancient creature, which it says it's most, pretty much human, it, uh, but I guess he's used to things that are pretty much human, but not quite like Inquisitors. So he's just like, now nah, this is some sort of thing. I don't know. But it's it, it, she is like, well, well, my foresight doesn't seem so foolish now, does it, Captain? The powers of Threnody wish to join the main stage. Engage the device. Which is just very sinister. You're making it. You're making it sound a lot more diabolical than it did in my head. <laughs> Engage the device. <laughs> it's just like, wait, what? Well, Kelsier's immediate feeling is like, whatever that does, it's probably not good for me. I, I should leave. Yeah. Uh oh. Oh dear. But, but then it turns out it does nothing to him at, uh, at least. So, and the captain's like, see, there you go. Nobody from Threnody is within a day's march of here. False alarm. And I love how, how determined this guy is that it's a false alarm. When one of his guards, he's not just like, I think I saw something. He's like, I saw a dude walk up, touch the wall, get pushed back by the wall, and then leave. Like, this is not a maybe I saw something situation. But uh, it seems like he, maybe he doesn't trust his guards that well. He says, I don't doubt your foresight, Ancient One, but I do trust my forces on the Threnodite border. There are no shadows here. Which if you remember, is also what Naz called mm -hmm. Kelsier. He's like, you don't just decide yep. to become a shadow. Yep. So he is, I guess, a shadow if the definition of that is a guy walking around in the mind realm. Mm -hmm. The shadow realm. Ooh. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Grandpa. And then this douchebag who plays with bugs threw my uh, Exodia cards off the ship. That's why you don't let anyone <laughs> touch your Exodia cards. I mean, come yeah. on. Yeah. Yeah, that dude, was straight up, bad. like, I would have murdered that kid. <laughs> I push you off the boat now. Okay. Yeah, exactly. Man overboard. <laughs> you can oh, come no. back when you find my cards. Yeah. <laughs> In the ocean, he's like, Exodia, obliterate! And then, like, Exodia <laughs> pops up. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Uh, okay, but the, the, the person says, maybe the guard was wrong about it. There was someone, but the guard was wrong about it being a cognitive shadow, which is all capitalized. So I guess uh, there's some more information. And then a uh, weird, freaky lady is like, I have to go speak with the rest of the Irie. keep thinking of it as Aya instead of Irie. So if I mispronounce that at any point, sorry. It's really easy when you look at it. Like, that's how it would be pronounced. That's how I would be saying it if the first time we'd heard it, it hadn't been spelled like E-Y-R-E-E -E or however you spell the other version of Irie. Yeah. And then somebody explains to him, no, it's actually spelled like this. Yeah, I remember the conversation, but I keep forgetting about it whenever I read the word. I have to do a double take and go back to it, so... Yeah, that makes sense. And Kelsier, as she says the word, he gets a sense of the meaning of the word Irie. It meant age, 
and he suddenly had an impression of a strange symbol made from four dots and some lines that curved like ripples in a river. So weird, uh, trippy stuff going on. Yeah, and I was trying to visualize that symbol, but I feel like the description is not good enough. Like, uh, where are the four dots in correlation to the wavy lines? Like, you know, I don't, yeah. The impression I get is whenever we get to whichever book is that's that's all relevant to, that'll be like the little symbol next to the chapter headings, like with the circles and spikes were for this trilogy. Hmm, interesting. Oh, yeah, that's that that's a cool idea. Yeah, yeah. The way he's saying that, it didn't. It's not. It does not happen. Yeah. <laughs> Just remember these descriptions of uh, of people and symbols and things. They might come into play at some point. Who knows? <laughs> In a couple of years, when we finally get to those books, there it is. <laughs> <laughs> and I like Kelsey decides on the spot. Okay, new plan: follow the weird lady giving orders. Which yeah, that makes sense. And so he follows her around until she meets up with a whole group of uh, weird creatures. And he's totally, he's totally Dark City. Man, you can, I, I still have to see that. You keep coming back to Dark City. I'm like, man, I gotta watch this. That's a it's an excellent movie. Back, I was I was I was reading this like. Because it is like the Matrix before the Matrix was a thing, to the point where the Matrix reused sets from Dark City. <laughs> okay, that's funny. But I like that Kelsier's back out on the side of the building, like Spider-Manning up to the little the little slit window so he can peek in and find out what they're doing in here. Yeah. The beings all have that same silvery skin, but two were a shade darker than the rest. Difficult to distinguish among individuals because everyone was pretty much bald and wore the same robes with hoods. So they all have white hooded robes. So it's not quite like Jedi, but maybe a little bit. I don't know. It's silver embroidery yeah. around the cuffs. They're very fancy. It it just made me think of like the Mages Guild and Elder Scrolls, just like robes. Mm-hmm. You know, yep. not super descriptive, just robes with some kind of embroidery, you know? Sure, sure. I got you. The woman has said, we got to move up our timetable. I don't believe this sighting is a coincidence. And a dude who's sitting there with a cup of glowing liquid. Apparently everything just glows here. <laughs> the people, the booze, the buildings, whatever. So it turns out the lighting is, it's all just UV lighting. <laughs> yeah, that's what it is. They've just got the, they just got black light everywhere. So all the white is glowing weirdly. <laughs> so it's a, it's a rave that they're getting ready for. That's what they're moving. Up the time <laughs> like, what's that music coming from the bottom of the, of the, fortress? <laughs> It's like <laughs> the guards are like, I don't know. The ancient one said we weren't allowed down there. Yeah. <laughs> Turns and out then, it's, a, it's like the techno remix of the spook rap. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and then one of the one of the ancient ones walks out with a pacifier in their mouth and they're yep. like, hey, what's up? <laughs> Got to try this Molly. <laughs> <laughs> Molly. Oh, gosh. But uh, the guy's like, yeah, you always jump at stories alone. Not every coincidence is a sign of someone drawing upon capital F fortune. And we've, they're like, hey, you shut up. We've come too far to let the prize slip away. And so they have a plan to uh, once preservation dies, they're going to get a hold of the shard's power somehow. They're like, but what if like it, that was somebody working for Ruin who's figured out where we are and has figured out our plan? Which apparently it's not that hard to come out here and figure out y'all's plan because Kelsier did it in like five minutes. Uh, <laughs> you guys are not very good at guarding. Yeah. It's just the entire race of the Riddler. People who think they're way better than they actually are. <laughs> yeah, right? We are so smart, you don't even know. Uh, but we weren't ready for the survivor of Hathsin. 
So they plan – they keep saying stuff like one of us ascending to preservation, but it seems pretty clear uh, who's in charge here and is planning on becoming a shard. And he remembers preservation telling Kelsier that he can't hold the power because he's not connected enough to preservation. And he he could even see his own, like, the little lines going from him to ruin because he's, like, more connected to ruin than preservation. He's Kelsier's not big on preserving things other than his own skin. We're moving forward. Devotion protect us. We move forward. That, that is them name-dropping one of the shards that Chris mentioned when mm-hmm. Kelsier met up, met up with her. So it's like, yeah. I don't know if Fortune is one of the shards, but Devotion definitely is. So this is so making me think of like my theory. These are some cults who are all trying to steal shards' powers. So like I think they might have, they could possibly have already done it to Devotion. Maybe, but Alono's like you don't need, you won't need Devotion. You're gonna have me. Oh good, the shards are fighting again, <laughs> or at least the one, the wannabe shards are. Right. And they're like, okay, let's go to the vault. And I love the little, uh, the thing that Kelsier goes through. He's like about how vaults are tough. I don't even know if that's the very next bit. Maybe I'm skipping a little bit, but he has a whole thing about how like taking stuff out of a vault, like vaults are really well protected. So that's not how he's going to do it. He's just going to wait until they take it out. You can't keep a, a thing in the vault forever. Also freakishly, I forgot where he he's like, the window is a tiny, like a little arrow slit kind of window. And he kind of squeezes himself through it because he's a spirit guy. Think thin, think thin, think thin. Yeah. Yeah, it reminds me of the end of that X-Files episode where the guy's, like, going to squeeze himself through the food slot. Mm. Yep, I remember that episode, Then it's freaky then, too. And I like, once they're all out of the room and they've gone to the vault or whatever, he's, like, he's, he gets in there and just starts, like, rummaging. He's, like, found some bottles of wine, some gemstones left in a drawer. He's, like, he, he has to rob them. And he even finds a book of sketches filled with strange symbols like the one he had visualized. And he's like, there's there's weird stuff that he doesn't understand in there. Words like adenalsium, connection, realmatic theory. But at the end is uh, the big prize where it's like sketches of this arcane device in the shape of a sphere. If you break it, you absorb the power within, which will briefly connect you to capital C to preservation, like the lines he had seen in space in the space between moments. So that was their plan. They get there when preservation's about to die. They use this ball power thing to artificially connect themselves to preservation for long enough to get his power and ascend. Mm. And so now he knows what he needs to steal. Yeah. And they also seem to drink. Maybe this orb is just the concentrated version of what they're drinking, because they also seem to drink stuff that makes them glow. Mm-hmm. Uh, similarly to how Kelsier is going to glow when he puts when he smashes this on himself. So I'm wondering if like somehow they're bottling like mist power or preservation power, like something Mm. that could attune, like it's some kind of liquid that allows them to attune to the power in some way. And and maybe that's what's keeping them alive for so long. They're, they're being preserved like unnaturally through the use Mm. of this like juice. Good old preservation juice. This is a good, uh, a good vintage. I guess it makes sense if like, preservation's losing it that someone's collecting it like the power doesn't actually vanish it's mm, yeah. just a guy yes there's a guy following preservation around with a with a with a jug <laughs> yeah it's like it's like when snape dies and harry gathers like his tear it's like give me that sweet sweet memory juice <laughs> <laughs> that's worse than knowledge nuggets yeah <laughs> <laughs> memory juice nah 
Hammer juice is way better. Uh, agree to disagree. No, knowledge nuggets is the food. Memory juice is the drink. It's a yeah. whole meal. Yeah. yeah, it's like ambrosia and nectar in like Hercules' legendary journeys. It's you know, it's the food of the gods. Oh my gosh. <laughs> there, there, there's, there, there's a shirt. Mem- knowledge nuggets versus memory juice. Oh my gosh. Uh, Breakfast of shards. I was totally noting down like random T-shirt ideas <laughs> in case I don't don't do don't don't skip over what Dak just said. Say that again, Dak. Breakfast of shards. <laughs> yeah, that's genius right there. <laughs> it's like uh, you know the shirt could say knowledge nuggets and memory and uh, preservation juice dot 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 breakfast of sh- or memory juice dot 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 breakfast of shards. Oh my gosh. Whatever it was. <laughs> He's like it was something. Just uh, just put it on there. I was writing down random ideas based on episodes I was editing. And then I think in the last one, I was like, we need a shirt that just says sexy drifter. People will love that. (laughs) That doesn't even need an explanation. Somebody sees you wearing that shirt. They don't know. They don't need to know it's from a podcast. Oh, you're a sexy drifter, huh? Oh, yeah. Sexy drifter. Those are my favorite kids. (laughs) (laughs) Do you have white hair? Excellent. Oh, my God. But, uh, okay, so the start of the next chapter, I really like because Kelsier's theory on how thievery is the most authentic form of flattery is just really nice. It's like, what's more, what's better than knowing that something you have is so great that other people want to take it away from you? Yeah, Kelsier. <laughs> I don't know that's flattery. <laughs> this was Kelsier's purpose in life, to remind people of yeah. the value of the things they loved by taking <laughs> them away. Yeah, because when somebody broke into my car and stole my iPod back in the day, I was like, flattery will get you everywhere. Uh, man, people, I, I must be really great if I pick uh, an iPod that people like so much they're going to break a window to steal it. That's what you're supposed to be thinking. It should make you feel good about yourself until See, you have I to open your wallet. Into, I had my car broken into a very, very long time ago while I was at work, and the only thing that they took was the cassette player that had the auxiliary cord to plug in to an iPod. This is oh. very, very long time ago. I had my textbooks in the car. I had my tap shoes in the car. They are all worth a lot of money. But yeah. no, they smashed a window and stole something that would have cost $15 oh. to buy. And then I had to go and pay for a new window. Right. And that sucked. Like, I did not feel flattered <laughs> that you wanted my tape auxiliary cord so badly not okay so you took tap is what you're telling us interesting (laughs) yes i was a tap dancer for many years (laughs) that's pretty cool i had fun i used to have one of those nobody ever broke in my car to take it but uh no because it's worth 15 (laughs) dollars yeah (laughs) maybe (laughs) i've had like i've had like seven of those they all just wore out and broke no one ever stole them uh My favorite part about that story I told also is I've had my my driver's side window busted in twice, my back window busted in once, but the only time somebody ever actually stole something out of my car was when I accidentally left it unlocked, and then they uh, then they stole everything uh, of value out of the car. Mm. So those other times when those things got busted, nobody stole anything. They just busted my windows out to be a jerk. That's sad. Yeah, that is sad. I, I have occasionally seen like alerts that I'll get from the neighborhood thing. That's like I we somebody's been seen like walking down the street trying doors on cars, see if they can find an unlocked one. So watch out. But I always lock mine, so it's okay. But it makes sense. That that's a lot more low key. Oh really? 
Yeah, the same car park actually. <laughs> so I, I don't work there anymore and I don't park there anymore. But um, <laughs> they, they broke in again while I was at work one night and my car had an immobilizer on it, but they tried so hard to hot wire it and remove it. They actually managed to break my steering so oh. you could only steer in, in one direction. Oh, um, no. But it was the opposite direction to which you would need to get down to the bottom of the car park. And when the tow truck came to take my car away, they couldn't actually bring the tow, tow truck to the top of the car park where I was. So we had to break the steering into the opposite direction so you could actually get down the ramp to get to the tow truck. Uh, it was a good car. That's, it was a sad end. That's no good. No. No. They didn't steal anything, though. <laughs> no, just destroy your, your steering column. Yeah. That's like, uh, coincidentally, my my car that got broken into so many times was nicknamed Sheila because it was a big silver car. It made me think of the tank. Uh, yep. <laughs> How many pedals did it have? Just two. Okay. Wow. Why are there six pedals when there's only four directions? <laughs> anyway, so this is the part that I was thinking about where he's like, it'd be almost impossible to get down to like this vault buried in the depths of the fortress. They have guards, locks, traps, and arcane devices that he couldn't plan for or expect. Sneaking in and robbing the vault would test his skills to their utmost, and even then he was likely to fail. So he decided not to try. Because <laughs> the thing about vaults is you can't realistically leave most things in them forever. Eventually, yeah. you have to use the thing that you're guarding. As long um, as they're not going to wait 50 years to pull out this what, right. whatever it is from the vault, then waiting is probably the smartest yeah. thing he could do. And he says it took about a week. So he kind of hangs out for a week waiting for them to come out. And when they come out, they have horses. He's like, oh, well, I wasn't expecting that. But uh, OK. Doesn't really give him any trouble, though, because they're not moving that quickly in this terrain. And he can run all day and night without getting tired. We He has discovered firsthand. So not a big deal. Five of the guys, the weird guys and uh, 15 soldiers. And all of the ancients are dressed in the same robe with the same little ba- bags on each horse. So he deduces that these are decoys. In case they get attacked, no one will know who has the real ball thing. But Kelsey's not worried about that because he knows from watching them that this one lady is the not going to let anyone else hold on to the thing because she plans on becoming a shard with it. So she's certain to have the real one. And when he has time to sneak in there and look at stuff, he's right. And I love him teaching us about theft. He's like, there's basically three types of thievery. The first one is a knife to the throat and a whispered threat. The second one is pilfering in the night. And the third, which was Kelsier's favorite, involved a tongue coated with zinc. Instead of a knife, it used confusion. And instead of prowling, it worked in the open. I really love how they have uh, it's not silver. Nobody cares about silver in this world, more or less. So it's zinc that makes you cool. It's all zinc, baby. All zinc. That's one for the shirt. It's all zinc, baby. (laughs) (laughs) I'm 30 percent zinc. (laughs) I think I have a zinc allergy, and so to actually the thought of having your tongue coated in zinc, oh. I was like, oh, my God, oh, my God. I like, I went into this, like, internal panic <laughs> about having zinc on your tongue. That yeah, That's a weird existential, like, dread. I can see that. That's just, like, ugh, like, weird. Yeah, okay. Yeah. But zinc is used for rioting people, like uh, Aurian, so... That's why if you're really influential, oh. you are zinc tongued. That's why Jamie doesn't like Orian. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Because <laughs> yeah, she can use zinc and go out in the sunshine. Yeah. 
Yeah. Uh, and so he says the best kind of thievery left the target uncertain whether anything had happened at all. Which, yeah, that makes sense, I guess. The real trophy was to pull off a heist so clever the target didn't even discover you'd taken something from them. So he's following them for a while and starts to put together a plan based on what he's seeing, which starts out with him sneaking, once again, like shoving himself down into the ground and then sticking just his lips out of the ground near <laughs> Alono. He's like, so you presume to hold preservation's power. You think you'll fare better than he did at resisting me? And then he disappears again. He just pops out of the ground and goes, I know why you're sad. <laughs> yeah, seriously. <laughs> Another shirt idea right there. No, that was already <laughs> on my list, yeah. Oh, okay. I know why this you're would have sad. just been Kelsey's yeah. best day ever. <laughs> like, yeah. I can mess with people now even better than I could before. Right? Yep. Oh. Like, Another, it's, like, uh... it's hardly even fair. I can walk through walls and into the ground. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's definitely not fair for these ancient wizard people, but also they should know better. <laughs> <laughs> they freak out immediately like Alonos yelling and waking everybody up, like it was ruined he was talking to me take that ancient wizard people I was gonna say, for someone who wants to be preservation you really think they would have had more of a spine you would right like if you're gonna immediately freak out when one of the other shards is like starts talking shit like, <laughs> like how are you gonna go when you're actually holding the power <laughs> not well my friend no and she's, like, yelling at one of the other guys, like, your wards were supposed to prevent this. You told me they'd stop him from sensing the device. And the other the, the other lady's like, hey, there's lots of ways he could have found out. Found out. My art is exacting, whatever that means. Okay. And somebody else is like, wait, so if he, if he did find out, why hasn't he just killed us all yet? And I'm like, well, you know, maybe preservation's stopping him. He's still alive for the moment. And... The dude's like, I think maybe we should go back. And Alono's like, nuh uh, we're going forward. We have committed. No quarreling. And so he, uh, over the next few days, keeps doing the thing where he's talking to him. Like, it should, he, he whispers, How would you like to die, Alono? Uh, so he just kind of keeps tormenting them a little bit, and they're not getting a lot of good sleep. Um, it says that he, he keeps whispering to different members, promising them things. He was quite proud of the various ways he came up with to distract, frighten, and unnerve them. Yep, he's having the time of his life. Oh, yeah. Although Alono's at, at this point pointing out, well, I mean, the fact that he keeps talking and only talking means that he can't hurt us, right? So we're fine. And uh, then he put, has his plan in place once they're in the jungle to start to split them up and stuff. And it starts with, like, jabbing a horse with a knife, which that's a little bit mean. But, you know, we've seen worse, I guess. I mean, he just... Hit one with a knife. Vin bisected one. I was yep. about to say, yeah, there was that mm -hmm. one bit where Vin uh, totally trashed that horse. Does Brandon just have a problem with horses? Right. Like, was he bucked off a horse as a kid? He's got like a deep-seated hatred of horses. But he gets them all running different ways and freaking out in the middle of the jungle. And he lashed his campfire inside of one of their cloaks. And he has to kind of pop up. There's like this cloaked figure that's like burning in the face, basically. And so that's kind of freaky. Let's just pop up out of nowhere in the middle of the jungle. And he separates them and he finds Alono and he kind of lures her further away from the group by because he has another one of these cloaks. And he's like, hey, yeah, come come over here. We're all over here and gets her to like move further away from everybody else. And I like the part where he's like this. He missed this. The con, the excitement of playing people like flutes. And uh, he even does a thing with like. Uh, He's wearing one of the robes and he just lays down in the path and they're like, oh, hey, there's somebody 
and then he just like I guess phases through the robe and the ground so that he disappears and leaves the robe behind him. And they're like, oh no, I, she disintegrated. That's mm-hmm. one of Alono's robes. So he got one of her robes and pretended that she was dead. And <laughs> also, it's like I didn't know he could disintegrate people. Let's get out of here. <laughs> yeah, seriously. <laughs> no one mentioned the disintegrating. I always forget about the disintegrating. And uh, one of the guys looks at the robe. He's like, empty. Merciful Domi. D-O-M-I capital. What were we thinking? And they're like, okay, let's, we're leaving. This idea was stupid. Let's get out of here. And so everybody goes back, except for Alono and her one guard, who are still out there in the jungle. And uh, Kelsier freaks them out, grabs, like, grabs the guard and kind of knocks him out with a chokehold. And then... Uh, she starts freaking out, and when she's just, like, completely losing it, and she slumps down in the forest, exhausted, he's like, he says, leave it. And she's terrified, and he tells her to leave it again. And so she pulls out the orb, it's like, here you go. And he tells her to leave, walk. And she's like, I, I could serve you, Vessel. I No, go. Just leave. This lady uh, is a little bit craven. Probably good that she didn't end up uh, with the preservation power, I'm just saying. Yeah, yeah she, she was all talk. It. Yeah, Ruin would have kicked out of the curb. (laughs) Right. Also, why are we rooting for Ruin all of a sudden against this person? This is how Uh, bad this person this person sucks. Like, I'm just kind of like, man, I even want Ruin to kick the hell out of her. (laughs) I mean, I don't know that we're 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 on Ruin's side here, but we just know the reality of the situation. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, I'm on his side. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, I don't know that anyone else except Joe is on Ruin's side. Joe's like, I remember we got Idris Elba for this part, so I'm all about it. Go Ruin. Oh, yeah, I love Idris Elba. Talk about a sexy drifter. <laughs> That's who he can play. See, there you go. Does, does yeah, anyone not love Idris Elba? That's a good no, point. No, well, never. you know what? I, I hate Idris Elba's character in The Office, but every other thing he's in is, is just fantastic. That's fair. <laughs> never saw, I never, I never watched The Office much, so I didn't see him in that. But I like that uh, Kelsey, he's like, hopefully they're all, once she makes it back, they'll all just assume that Ruin beat them and no one will ever know I was involved. This is great. It was the most fun he'd had in ages. And that's the end of part five, Irie. <laughs> oh, part five, Kelsey's best day ever. Right? Yeah. <laughs> just like all the Kelsier bits where he's having fun talking to people and messing with people or just make this short story so delightful to me. I say all the Kelsier bits as if there's much in here that does not involve Kelsier, but <laughs> well, he's, he's not sitting around by himself in a well, like pouting. So we got part six hero where Kelsier is running back. He ran all the way to the ocean and now he's come all the way back. He finds a city that seems to have just slid into the ocean. He's like, I don't know how that worked, but okay. And the world is clearly has gotten a lot worse since he left. Not all that long ago. But what he does notice is when people start dying, preservation is no longer there to greet them and one woman sees him and she's like the lord ruler and he's like no but close what's happening and she just says it's ending all ending and disappears i like that he says close like i don't know what you're trying to say there kelsier but well it's funny because i read about this oh. time ellen said the same thing like right? when he saved that village from the coloss he's like he lord rulers like yeah whatever oh yeah but as he's running he hears preservation's voice whispering like, no, not that way. We aren't there. So tired. Fadrex, come to Fadrex. You're close. So he's like, oh, hey, I've been to Fadrex City. Okay. And this is kind of the, one of the first places he found that seems alive. There's 
plenty of people. The city's not destroyed or abandoned. But unfortunately, uh, Ruin is also focusing on this place. So, And uh, Kelsey's just trying to tell him, I found something. I took it from those creatures you mentioned, the Irie. And he's like, can this help you somehow? And Prisoner's like, no, that can't help. The power is hers, but Ruin has her, Kelsier. I can't, I can't give it. And Preservation leads him to a small square clogged with souls, glowing brightly. Uh, was one of these Vin? No, these were all beggars. The last beggar, however, seems familiar. Stark white hair, face not quite hidden by ash that had been rubbed into it. And he's like, you, Drifter, what are you doing here? The glowing figure does not give a response. I don't know if it can see or hear him. I kind of doubt it, but we don't get any indication that it can anyway. Or that he can, I guess. We know it's the drifter, according to him. And then he sees a small figure land on a rooftop nearby. And he's like, oh, hell. Vin is looking towards the drifter. And he goes up there, climbs up to the top of the building. He's like, Vin, stay away from that guy. So so everybody- like, is the implication that the drifter is Hoyd from this? Uh, Yeah. That would be because this is, if, uh, I, I, I assume you guys remember since we're talking about it, but Vin shows up here. She's supposed to meet an informant, a beggar named Hoyd, and she sits on the roof and looks at him for a minute and then gets a bad feeling and takes off. Mm-hmm. So this is that scene from the other side. So wait a minute. We were joking around about how Hoyd is actually like a super secret supervillain dude, and he's totally the sexy drifter all this time. <laughs> That's Hoyd. Yeah, that's uh, that's 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 the drifter, super sexy Hoyd. Wow, I'm shocked. Well, not that. Shocked. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. There was some debate in the Discord about whether you guys would connect those dots, and if you did not connect them, if I would connect them for you. So it's good to see that. Uh, I was happy when Jamie brought it up at the beginning. I was like, oh good, we're we're gonna get there. Somebody was like, well, he told them about how that guy was in the second book. And somebody else was like, well, yeah, but that's because there's absolutely no way from reading the books to figure that out. Like, that that is not knowledge you can discern from just reading the books. And so there's a big debate about whether that is something that I would tell you guys if you couldn't figure it out on your own. It was funny. <laughs> oh, Discord people, have faith in us. <laughs> <laughs> and so when Vin... We know from Vin's perspective that what happens is she comes here and she's like, oh, I, I, I just get a bad feeling and I've learned to trust my instincts Like when something's like this. So she takes off from Kelsier's perspective. He's like, Vin, listen, don't that guy's bad. Don't go. Don't go over there. And she kind of cocks her head and then she leaves. And he's like, holy crap, did she hear me? And so he starts. He's like, maybe I can talk to her. And she starts, you know, Alamancy leaping away and he starts it's just tossing himself carelessly from buildings. He doesn't have Alamancy, but uh, he was light and could fall without getting hurt. So, you know, why not? And so back to the Hero of Ages, this is Vin jumping around and she's feeling something following her. And he picks up on that. As he's following, he can tell from the way Vin is acting that she has detected that something is pursuing her, like an el- enemy Alamancer. Vin thinks, and this is one of the main sections of the book that make her think that Yeoman has his own Mistborn which comes into play later and this is kind of where that starts is kelsier chasing her and kind of she sort of detects like this miss spirit so i don't know if he's actually being a miss spirit or if she doesn't see a miss spirit until in a minute because ruin kind of takes over the chase with a spirit miss spirit looking dude 
but Kelsey has inadvertently uh, convinced her that Yeoman has an, uh, a Mistborn who uh, is working for him. Or that Yeoman possibly is a Mistborn, which is just that fact is like further built up when they figure out that he can burn Addy. And they're like, oh, well, obviously he's the Mistborn then. So good job, Kelsey, helping uh, draw her, her draw all the wrong conclusions. But what mm-hmm. can you do? And so at some point, something descended around him, a blackness of shredding spikes of spider leg scratches in the air and ruin his back. And he's like, hey, Kelsier, how did I not see you there earlier? That's, that's crazy. And he can see Vin chasing a creature of black mist, pulsing a similar rhythm, a decoy. So he sees that she's being let off. Like he did before, Kelsier thinks, imitating Fuzz to trick Vin. So yeah, he's pretended to be a misspirit before, we know. So where have you been, Kelsier? He's like, oh, you know, around. Thought I'd see the sights, find out what death has to offer. And Ruin's like, oh, yeah, uh-huh. So you visited the Eyrie and got turned away, I assume. Yeah, I could guess that much. Why'd you come back? I thought you were going to run. So Ruin is very smug, but uh, not as smart as he thinks he is. Well, it's obviously the area he actually can't reach or can't see. Right. You know, he's he's mentioned that they've been out there too long, but he can't really do anything about it at the moment. So this is, I guess, just more evidence that he actually doesn't know what's going on out there. And Ruin tells him that his part is done. You did what I needed you to. And Kelsey's like, wait a second, my part? And Kelsier has not yet figured out that Ruin's like, yeah, the 11th medal. Did you think that was a coincidence that you randomly came across some weird secret thing that no one had heard of that would let you kill an immortal emperor? Come on. That practically fell in your lap. And he's like, yeah, okay, that sucks. But I'd already figured out that Gimmel was touched by Ruin, so it kind of makes sense. And Ruin's just like, oh, you're so cute. You actually think that this was all your idea, don't you? The fall of the final empire, the end of the Lord Ruler, recruiting Vin. Yeah, aren't you just the cutest thing? Yeah, no. Ruin is such an asshole. Right? The worst thing he can do to someone is patronize them. <laughs> <laughs> and Kelsier tries to punch Ruin, you know, just to get the 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 pair, I guess. You got to punch both the gods of your planet. Punch of gods, that's what I do. But it does not work. Uh, Ruin evaporates. He's like, Kelsier, was that wise? And Kelsier says, no, it was merely thematic. Well, yeah, okay, that's that's true. <laughs> Kelsey, was that wise? When have I ever given the impression I do things because they're wise? <laughs> right. <laughs> and then uh, Ruin does a thing to him. I don't, I don't even know. It says that a thousand spindly needle-like black spikes shot from the creature's body, piercing Kelsey-like spears, fraying his soul, and bringing a blinding wave of pain. So that's nice. And then when he finally recovers, uh, Preservation's voice is there. It's like, you deserve that. He's like, yeah, look, I don't like Ruin, but you can't go around punching gods, okay? It's just bad for our, <laughs> our image. It's bad for him, man. Oh, gosh. And so Kelsier starts following Vin around, trying to get her to listen. But Ruin is watching Vin closely, so it never quite works out for him. Uh, let's see. Oh, and then we get to the point where... Uh, Ruin, I guess maybe hadn't had the idea about uh, before about creating this distracting Miss Spirit thing to distract Vin. But uh, he picked up that idea from Kelsier and uses it to get her out of the way during the Coloss attack. So just you're helping on all fronts here, Kel. This is good. It's not his fault that uh, Ruin doesn't appreciate copyright laws. (laughs) (laughs) 
but the Coloss, this is when a whole bunch of the Coloss get slaughtered by siege engines. And from his location in the cognitive realm, Kelsier sees the spirits popping into existence and is shocked to discover that Coloss are made of people, which we knew. Uh, but even Vin hasn't figured out just yet. She's about to. It's like the same day that she figures it out. And I like most of them are like regular ska. So they're disappearing so fast that he doesn't have time to get any questions in. And finally, he spots one that's an obligator as the spirit comes across. And he's like, hey, you, how how did this happen? And the guy's kind of pissed. He's like, the beasts should have known better than to take an obligator. I was their keeper and they did this to me. So, uh, yeah, good times. But he he's like, how, how did, how did, how do men become Coloss? And the obligator, as he's vanishing, says one word, spikes. So he's like, oh, like Inquisitor spikes. Okay. Yeah, all this shit that we had to, like, figure out over the course of an entire book, Kelsey just gets handed to him, the bastard. Yep. It's, it's much easier when you can talk to God and dead people whenever you feel like. Yeah, he's got the cheat codes. <laughs> and uh, Kelsier's just like, geez, this guy, ruin is everywhere, huh? And Preservation's like, yes, see? And he shows Kelsier, like, a, a slideshow of various things. Inquisitors, Vin in the creature shadow, a man he didn't know sitting on a burning throne and watching Luthadel, a twisted smile on his lips. So that's probably uh, King Penrod, our old buddy. R.I.P. Or went out for Penrod. It's all good. Uh, and s- <laughs> More like rest in pieces, prick. <laughs> <laughs> and finally, Spook, little Lesterborns, wore a burned cloak that seemed too big for him and Ruin crouching nearby, whispering with Kelsier's own voice in the lad's ear. And then he sees Marsh. And this must be one of the points where Ruin's not using Marsh for much because Marsh is just standing there with ash piling on his head and shoulders. And so Kelsier can easily figure out what happened. He's like, so Marsh joined the alligators. They noticed him because he always just has to be an overachiever. And they turned him into one of them. And that's what the scene was where I thought he died. So much destruction. We can't survive this, can we? Even if we stop Ruin and Preservation says, nope. I'm sorry, no. He says, we're doomed. And Preservation says, no, not doomed. Remember, hope, Kelsier. And Preservation says, I can't save you, but we have to trust. And Kelsier says, in what? And he's like, in the man that I was, in the plan, the sign, the hero. And he says, no, Vin, he, he has her fuzz. And Preservation says, like, he doesn't know what he thinks he knows. That's his weakness, the weakness of all clever men. And Kelsier's like, well, except me, obviously. There was enough preservation left to chuckle at that. And Kelsier's like, oh, come on, when have you ever known me to be wrong? It's like, well, there was. No, that th- those don't count. I wasn't fully me back then. When did you become fully yourself? Just now. But you, you could use that excuse anytime. Now you're <laughs> catching on. <laughs> Kelsier's so ridiculous. This is his, his thing where he's like, Mistborn are too <laughs> proud not to crawl. Or whatever, and he's like, that makes no sense. Mistborn don't need to make sense. Oh, gosh. And he's like, okay, so we have to use the plan that you set in motion back when you were saying. Okay, fine. How do I help? And he's like, help? I don't, uh... No, be decisive, bold. A good crew leader is always sure of himself, even when he isn't. Especially when he isn't. That doesn't make sense. I'm dead, I don't need to make sense anymore. See? It's just, he never changes. <laughs> But he, he puts Fuzz in charge. He's like, okay, you're a crew leader now. And he's like, what, me? He's like, yeah. I mean, you're a god, right? So that, that should count for something, I guess. And Fuzz is like, thank you for finally acknowledging that. Okay. Uh, and so he tells he tells Kelsier, you, you, you can reach her through the gaps in souls where I cannot tell her that she must not trust. Pierced by metal, 
You must free her to take my power, all of it. He's like, okay, free Vin. Easy. Uh, and then the best chapter, he's like, okay, Midge, you got that? The, sleep, the soldier's like, yeah, mission, survivor, got it. Don't trust anyone pierced by metal. Tell her that. It's a mission for you from the survivor. So this guy's asleep, and he's a guard in Ellen's camp, a soldier, and he's kind of crazy. Crazy enough that Kelsier can get in there and talk to him a little bit. And so he's trying to deliver a message through the slightly crazy guy. And like I said, they weren't broken as he'd once guessed. They were just open. This guy was open enough, but not so crazy that others ignored him. So he was kind of like right there, right, right in the sweet spot of insanity. So that Kelsier can try to get this message in. Yeah. (laughs) And so he follows uh, old Midge. And uh, so Kelsier touches, trying to hear what he's saying. And he can't until preservation kind of pops in and touches him a little bit to give him enough access to hear what's going on. Oh, sorry. Let me get that for you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like plug in your headphones here. There you go. And Midge says, that's right. Yeah, he talked to me. He said, I'm special. Said, we shouldn't trust none of you. I'm holy and you just ain't. <laughs> <sighs> Not the message. <laughs> that's no. totally what Kelsier said. <laughs> <laughs> It went downhill from there, and a brawl ends up starting based on this, which we find out in a couple paragraphs. Uh, this is when Demu gets punched in a brawl, and uh, a guy gets executed for punching Demu, if you recall. So uh, Kelsier That's really man. is helping out. Kelsier getting people killed by accident. Uh. Yeah. 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 But I think this is also what triggers Demu, like Ellen, to send that group away. Or at least part of it. So maybe in the long run, that was good. Because if they had not been there at the end to burn up all the adium, then things would not have turned out. It's true. But I like when Ruin shows up and Kelsey's like, careful, you'll get you on my shirt. <laughs> and Ruin's like, I was worried about leaving you alone, but you help me even when I'm not here. This is awesome. I just keep singing the same damn song. <laughs> but I like when Demu gets punched. Ruin's like, nice. And Kelsey's like, eh, he needs more follow through. You really need to commit to a punch. Just critiquing. Yeah, okay. And Kelsey's like, where is Vin anyway? Because Midge was supposed to be delivering this message to Vin, but this is, uh, we know, after she's been captured. So everyone's like, oh, her? Yeah, no, I have her. And Kelsey says, where? And he's like, away, where I can keep her in hand. Good job wasting time on the madman. Oh, gosh. And Kelsey thinks, I absolutely hate that man. Deep down, no more impressive than preservation was. Hell, Kelsey thought, I'm better at this god stuff than they are. At least he'd inspired people. I guess he's found out about the church somewhere along the way. Well, I mean, that was part of it. That was, that was his whole plan to get revered and worshipped. I guess he's just like, oh, wow, they kept going with that even like, even, like years later. Cool. <laughs> so eventually, Kelsey decides that this is where Ruin is focused, so he's not going to do any good here. Maybe I can get find someone else, Sazed or Marsh, someone that uh, is not as directly under Ruin's gaze as uh, this camp. And so he takes off that very hour. And the last chapter of the section, Kelsier was nowhere in particular when God finally died. So he can feel it, feel what's happening. He's like, Fuzz, preservation! And the voice is like, Kelsier, goodbye. After all these years appearing for others as they died, I never expected that my own passing would be so cold and lonely. He's like, I'm here for you. I know. Isn't that so sad? (laughs) He's tried so hard to, like, uh, comfort people as they go. 
But Kelsier says, I'm here for you. And he's like, no, you weren't, Kelsier. He's splitting my power. He's breaking it. And it will be gone, splintered. He will destroy it. And Kelsier's like, like hell. And so he starts pulling out the thing. And Preservation's like, nope, that's not yours. That's for someone else. <sighs> but he uses the knife that Naz gave him to smash open the orb and sprays himself with glowy liquid from it. Connects himself to preservation enough that uh, he can get the power. And preservation's final words, uh, a couple paragraphs worth. He's like, do better than you have before. They called you their god and you were casual with their faith. The hearts of men are not your toys. Do better. And remember what I told you so long ago. Do what I cannot. Survive. All in capitals. And it says he remembers hearing that exact command before in the pits, waking him, driving him forward, saving him. So in the pits, Kelsier or preservation rather helped Kelsier out by giving him this encouragement to survive. Way to go. And Kelsier pulls the power in and it doesn't really want to go. It says it resisted, but he manages to yank it in. And he, the Kelsier, the survivor of death ascended. And I like ruins like, what is this? And Kelsier's like, ha ha. Now I am a God. Any, you, what, what was that you said? Anything I can do, you can counter? Well, how about this? Now, how do you like them apples? Except then Ruin's just like, oh my gosh, really? That's 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 amazing. You think I care? I mind that you took... Th- I would have picked you over anybody. This is perfect. Not only are you basically a piece of me, but you can't even do the simplest stuff because you are not connected to the physical realm anymore. A memory holding the power will never be as potent as a real one with ties to all three realms. And so Kelsier, he has, he's ascended. He, he has this power to see everything that's going on. Basically he cannot affect stuff very well. And when he tries, Ruin just kind of laughs at him. And when he tries to talk to somebody to deliver a message to Vin, finally through someone Ruin's like, what you really think that like preservation didn't try that? The power of preservation can't like leak through the cracks and talk to people. It wants to fix them. Only I can widen cracks, which come to think of it is a very uh, weird sentence, but yeah. <laughs> I ruin the crack widener. <laughs> <laughs> and Kelsey's just like, is, is that something to be proud of? Yeah. Right. Okay. <laughs> And so he he can basically just watch and not do much as Ruin kind of runs roughshod over everything. He's destroying things, having Coloss destroy things. And everything he tries to do, Ruin can counter easily. Because they're both everywhere, and it's just, uh, it's not great for him. And there's moments where he's like trying to connect to Vin, trying to yell things to her, but it doesn't seem to quite work. He does manage to see the spike in her ear and realize what it means. And then he finds Marsh, and he's like, the, he can see those same connections of himself to Marsh that he saw. He, he and Vin are connected, and he and Marsh are connected, but it's not enough to get uh, to get to either of them, really. And so once again, he decides that what's going on around Fadrex, Ruin is too concentrated on for Kelsier to get involved, because he can't beat Ruin direct, in a direct confrontation. Fortunately, Kelsier had made a career of knowing when to avoid a fair fight. The con was on. And when the house guard was on alert, your best bet was to lie low for a while. Ruin watched Fadrick so intensely it would leave ch- chinks elsewhere. And that is the end of our chapter. So, I guess let's move into predicaments. We have uh, one, two, three, four, five chapters and an epilogue left for next time. 
and really that whole section is it's not it's not that long a section even it's about half as long as what we read for this time so what do you guys think how are we gonna wrap this up i mean we kind of know where the story goes overall at the very least but uh what is gonna happen with from this perspective yeah it seems to be less about what's actually gonna happen but how is but more how is kelsey involved in what we know happened so i feel like Kelsey will be behind, like Joe was saying, like guiding it into Vin, but I think he'll also be the one who guides it into Sazed. Maybe he and Vin will just be like, like sort of pushing, um, pushing Sazed into picking up the power and then like getting that involved with him using it. And I feel like after um, Ruin dies, we'll hear his little dying rant where he just bitches and moans about how he, how he was doing so well. He doesn't understand how this could happen to him. So we'll hear that in the cognitive realm. I don't know what Hoyd the Drifter is up to, but I feel like he's got to come back into it at some point. He, yeah, I don't know. Does he have a shard? Like, or is he hiding from, I don't know. There's something to that guy and I want, and he has to have a part to play in the climax. I don't know how, but he has to. Okay. Okay. That makes sense. I mean, he keeps popping up enough that you're like, there must be something going on here, right? Yeah, yeah. So... I think Joe was right when we were reading Hero of Ages that Kelsia will get through to Spook because he's talking about having a connection to Vin, having a connection to Marsh. He does have some sort of connection to Spook, even though Spook sort of can't see it or couldn't see it for the longest time. So that opportune moment of your spikes are out but you're unconscious, I can get through to you, I think that's probably where he'll go especially because he's seen already that he's under ruins influence right now so i think that will definitely happen that way i'm yeah i mean he'll he'll pass the power to vin obviously but we i mean from vin's perspective i guess we don't see any awareness from her yet that kelsey is involved so uh, all that i can remember i think it'll probably be after she's actually dead maybe, that she'll see Kelsia. And we know that Sazed sort of pulls it all together to be able to speak to at least Vin and Ellen and know that they're happy. So I actually don't think there's going to be a direct interaction until probably the very end of the story. Okay, okay. That's probably all I've got, actually. All right, fair enough. I'm going to stick with my main theory on this being that uh the sexy drifter is trying to trying to get shard powers and like i said whether that be for himself or to sell to the highest bidder i think that's kind of his goal he might have been hanging around to see the end of skate reel to see if he could harvest some ruin power or some more preservation power i think also that he may have been, and I think somebody else mentioned this, maybe Dak. He, he's, I think he's one of the original people who killed Aldanasium, or I think I'm saying that right. Or he played a part in that event, because I was listening back to one of our other episodes, and there's a specific part in the book where Preservation says, yeah, I, he acted like he didn't have want to have anything to do with the rest of us. I should have known that wouldn't keep him from meddling. It's like the rest of us. So if we know now that Addie and Preservation were part of the people that killed out nauseum, then they must – I feel like Preservation must know him from the old days. Mm, and so that okay. must be how – where he knows him from. 
because once they move to Skadrial ruin and preservation, which, you know, I don't know how long in between the shards gaining power and like, I don't know the point of the death of Adonalsium and the time they went to Skadrial to create the planet. I don't know what the time frame is between those two things, obviously, but I, I don't know that preservation would have been dealing with a lot of other people before being stuck at, in, at Skadrial. So um, mm-hmm. that would be my guess is that he's, he's maybe probably one of the original people that helped defeat the god. So that would so, mean that he, he he probably has a shard then if uh... yeah either he has a shard or the way that preservation said it it's like he helped but he was like I don't want to have anything to do like maybe he didn't want the responsibility of taking on a shard so he's like a secret seventeenth person that was like no nah, I don't want it mm. um or or you know if if the shard split into 16 pieces because there were 16 people or if the shard split into 16 pieces and then 16 of the people who defeated the god took the power like i don't know which one it is yeah so it's it's possible there were others that had a hand in destroying the god that uh that uh, are not one of the shard bearers so yeah. and and now of course we know that shards can be killed and the shard power can be moved around and stuff so who knows how many of the original 16 are even left at this point. Right. But yeah, so I think I'm going to stick with that. I think that's a more interesting story to me, which is why I'm going to stick with it. It just sounds a lot more interesting that way. And Chris knew this guy too, so you have to think that this guy's pretty well known mm-hmm. around, you know, because he's from... Yeah, he's known. He's an you know, interplanetary known. He's a known guy. He's a known <laughs> entity quantity. He's a made man. Yeah, everybody knows who he is. Um, why he's, he's, like hoiding... he's, 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 he's the he's the thief that everyone knows. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> why he's hoiding around on Skadriel, I I don't really get, but um, maybe again that's that's to get his hands on different pieces of shard power to use for his own ends or to sell. So that's my main overarching theory. I don't know that we'll see the fruition of that at the end of Secret History here. Be cool if we did, but um, as far as what's going to happen next. I think what I said earlier in the episode about Kelsier figuring out a way to invest, like he he being the one to figure out a way to invest the power into Vin. Now, we did talk about the power kind of working on its own accord based on the writings of Sazed in The Hero of Ages, but maybe there had to be a more direct hand in it. In this case, Kelsier's kind of primed to be the person who gives her the investiture. So I think we'll see that. I'm hoping that we'll see some dialogue between Sazed and Kelsier and Kelsier and Vin and Elland when they when they tran- transition over to to uh to the mind realm I I hope we'll see that and uh and also yeah I hope like Kelsier is still going to be tied to I mean I assume Kelsier is still going to be tied to uh to the power of preservation which is what's keeping him around in that realm so mm-hmm. maybe once Sazed takes the power He'll he'll just get to kind of be around with Sazed, hanging out, and uh, hopefully Sazed can figure out a way to maybe like reunite him with Mayor and Docs and all his and all his old crew members that have died. That'd be cool too. Yeah, for him actually get to see them. Uh, okay, so when you were talking about it, I had to go back and find the exact wording from that section that you were talking about. So when Kelsier is stuck in the well after his encounter with the Drifter. Fuzz shows up, and Kelsier says, he stole something, I think, from the other side of the room, a bit of metal. And it says, ah, Fuzz said softly, I thought when he rejected the rest of us, he would stop interfering. 
I should have known better than to trust an implication from him. Half the time, you can't trust his outright promises. Yeah. So when he rejected the rest of us, so I, I mean, that to me would would mean the shard bearers, in my opinion. But yeah. Yeah, that makes sense based yeah, on what we're sense. seeing. Okay. Interesting. Interesting if true. <laughs> <laughs> you heard it. You can't unhear it. <laughs> Uh, that's that's one of my favorite lines uh, that I've used regularly in real life. Is you've yeah. watched you watched it, you can't you can't unwatch, unwatch it. it. Yep. Oh gosh. Okay, everyone. For next time, we're gonna finish Secret History, which Woo. will be let's see, chapters five, six, seven, eight, nine of part six, and then the epilogue. In addition, we're going to read the short story. Well, it's not even really a short story. It's like a piece of a story that Brandon never actually published and like read at a con one time, but it fits really well right here. So this is when we're going to do it. It is called the traveler. And like I said, we might do a little play thing. There's two characters in it. And then the, uh, the, I don't don't know what you, uh, the narration, the third person omniscient going on. So we have three people. You guys can each pick a character and the third person can be reading the descriptions and such. Maybe that'll be a fun Glorious. way to do it. <laughs> so uh, I don't know how I'm going to – for everyone else, I will post a link to the website where you can find it when we uh, when this goes up next week or whatever. Well, when this episode goes up, I'll include, include a link. For you guys, I'll probably take the actual text and I don't know if it's, – it's only like 700 words. It's not that long. I'll Maybe I'll paste it into our chat or I don't know. I'll figure out some way to get it to you so that you can actually read it. But that is what we are doing for next time. In the meantime, we have some emails and some reviews that we're going to go over. Not that. That is an email from my broker. I don't need to read that. Uh, (laughs) The first email is from Justin, and it says, Responding to Secret History Part 2. Hello there, Sander Lanch crew. My name is Justin, longtime listener, first-time emailer, etc., etc. Even though my vote was on the other side of whether of when to read Secret History, I'm hugely enjoying these episodes. The peek behind the curtain is a lot of fun to listen to everyone puzzle through. It seems like this episode is the perfect one for me to email you about. A, you mentioned Animorphs, and I'm an absolute fanatic about the series. Big shout-outs to Dak for the Cryak reference. Is that how it's pronounced? I always thought it was Cryak. I have no idea. I've never read it before, so I'm just going <laughs> off of uh, what Krayak. Okay, sure. Why not? Yeah. My favorite was the guy who turned into the hawk for a long time, and then he became an alien. Ah, uh, Tobias. Yeah, Tobias. <laughs> All right. If you say so. <laughs> <laughs> he also says, you mentioned Sanderson audiobooks, which I absolutely love. Kramer and Reading are top-notch narrators. There's a scene in Bands of Mourning in particular where Kramer does some fancy accent work that blew my mind contrary to some others i'm not as much a fan of the graphic audios as the single narrator books i love full cast dramatizations i produce a fan-made one for animorphs but i think the graphic audios acting talent isn't quite as good as kramer and reading okay cool uh now you guys may need to go out and find uh, this dramatization of animorphs you animorphs fans wow yeah this this guy's not joking he uh he likes the animorphs a lot <laughs> right yeah Hey, like, uh, drop a link or something into the email. I might check that out. Also, you mentioned the interplanetary trade going through the pits. I'm assuming you got that tidbit from the Arcanum database. That was actually my question at the Chicago signing, so I'm super excited to hear you mention it. Oh, we'll see. There you go. Nice. Yeah. Uh, to data, I'm surprised you did not mention the Drifter's identity. 
but then I went back and realized that it's revealed in part six when Kelsier pushes Vin away from meeting Hoyd. So looking forward to that discussion. Well, see, there you go. We just had that discussion. It works out. <laughs> yeah, we sure did. Wasn't to the time of next, Justin. Thank you, Justin. The next email is from Ivar. And Ivar says, hello, Sanderlanch crew. My name is Ivar and I'm from Iceland. Yes, Sanderlanch has reached the Northern Hemisphere. I, cool. I guess Dak and Jamie are in the Southern Hemisphere. I was thinking, like, I'm in the Northern Hemisphere. What's this? Yeah. But yeah, it's okay. Like, Half of us are not. Northern Hemisphere. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. Okay. Uh, Maybe I'm he a, thinks Texas is so south that we're in the Southern Hemisphere. Could be. Uh, I'm a big fantasy reader, but none of my friends are. So I was very happy when the podcast platform blew up. It's kind of like being in a book club. I got turned on to Sanderson while finishing the Wheel of Time series. After a little research, I decided to start my Cosmere journey with Mistborn and started searching for a spoiler-free podcast about Mistborn. The Sanderlanch was the first one I tried, and I'm super happy I did. Thank you. That's I'm, I'm glad that you are uh, experiencing these things for the first time, too. That's pretty fun. When I started, you guys were finishing Wall of Ascension, so I started listening as I read, and now I'm almost caught up close enough to the end of Hero of Ages, just finishing episode 55. Like many others before me, I'm amazed at some of your predictions. I also love the balance between educated predictions and crazy fun, sometimes hopeful theories from Dak, Jamie, and Joe. On that note, I think Ellen actually is the hero of ages. Dana, I, I think that's me, also does a great job guiding the conversation, dropping hints here and there without spoiling. I definitely let Dana dictate the order I go through the Cosmere. Anyway, thank you guys for doing the podcast. I hosted a podcast once and know how time-consuming it can be. Wasn't to the time of next, Evar. Oh man, he's in for quite a surprise when he gets to the <laughs> end of the of the episode of the book. <laughs> yep, Ellen. Ellen was one of my contenders, but uh, yeah, it's uh, well, you have to let us know, even though you won't hear this until way after that. Like what you thought when you get to the end and find out that uh, who it really is. I could have been a contender. Also, funnily enough, this is not the first time that uh, somebody posted in the Discord that they started listening on YouTube because you can listen at like one and a half speed, so it goes much faster. But apparently, the way that I say data at one and a half speed sounds like Dana. Oh. So uh, it's like I didn't yeah. – the, the person in Discord was like, I didn't know that he was called data until uh, I got joined the Discord. So let's uh... – Let's clear it up right now, okay? I'm going to say it's super slow, so even if they're going at one and a half speed, they'll hear it. Okay, here we go. Data. <laughs> Marble forgot to read his teleprompter. He doesn't know how you pronounce the letter. Looks like a little man with a hat. That's T. It goes to T. little man. I will destroy you! <laughs> Oh my gosh. I think my favorite Morbo joke is when he's with his wife and she's trying to fix his clothing. He's like, stop it, stop it, stop it, I will destroy you. Yep. I do that in real life <laughs> frequently also. She's like, stop it, stop it, I will destroy you. Oh, fun. Morbo. Morbo's the best. Windmills do not work that way. Oh, yeah. Uh, so those two were our emails for this week. Uh, we also have two reviews that we're going to go over. Two five-star reviews on Apple Podcasts. The first one is from Interojack, and Interojack says, great companion to the books, only wish I'd found them before finishing the Final Empire. That's that's the end of the review. Okay, not a lot to work with there, but uh, let me let me make you... Uh, I just like the it. name, the name Interojack. It's yeah. Cool. Yeah, you know what? You're a Tin-Eye, sir. There you go. Congratulations on getting I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep calling it Congratulations on getting jumped into the Misting Crew Jumped in Yeah, send me your address and I'll come <laughs> to your house 
<laughs> um, certificates printed. Yeah, exactly. But you only get the certificate if uh, if I can beat you up. There you go. <laughs> oh my gosh. The second review this week is from the Blue Priest, who is someone who I'm pretty sure has emailed us, but who I've seen a lot in the Discord. So they have been a fan for a while. They've been a listener for a while. The the title of this review is Stole My Wife's New iPhone So I Could Make This Review. Uh, it's, it says, I've been listening to your podcast for a long time. I've emailed you a few times under the moniker of the Blue Priest, and I've been annoyed that I don't have an iPhone to rate the podcast. When I bought my wife an iPhone, I knew the first thing I, I knew what the first thing I had to do was. I stole her phone so I could write this review. The Sander Lanch follows the journey of one person who has read all of Sanderson's work and three that are completely new to them as they read through the Cosmere. In the podcast, you will get a mixture of chapter reviews, character studies, predictions, or predigments, as the podcast fondly calls them, pop culture bingo, spook hate, and of course, volcanoes. The content is great, consistent, and high quality. It is the highlight of every Monday for me. If you are a fan of Brandon's work or interested in reading them for the first time, I cannot recommend this podcast enough. Mm. Since you uh, since you snagged that phone right out of your wife's hand to make this review, you, sir, are a lurcher. <laughs> that totally works. Yep, I, I buy that. It's a lovely review. Yeah, that was a terrific review. If uh, if yeah, anybody else wants uh, to it's fantastic. join the Misting crew, you can leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Or if you have another platform that accepts reviews and you want to, I, I don't, I don't get the feed for all of those. But if you want to send me like, hey, I left you guys a five star review here, I will totally put that on here too. Just like email us to, with a link to it. Speaking of which, if you want to email us, like all these other people did, the email is thesanderlanch at gmail.com. You can find us on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram and other places like that. And speaking of finding us on Facebook, we got an interesting. Um, some interesting messages on Facebook recently. This is someone who had messaged me before about like uh, what we'd already read and so on, but they, they messaged back this week, uh, Mitch. What Mitch said is uh, that recently is that he's disappointed by the distinct lack of Final Fantasy IX references so far in the show. Although I think we talked about like a couple of weeks ago some Final Fantasy IX. Uh, yeah, I think in one of our last episodes I made a Final Fantasy IX reference. That episode so, may not have been out when he sent the uh, that's this message. That's true. That's true. You know, and I'll be – and let's be completely upfront about this. Final Fantasy IX is not one of my favorite ones. It's uh, it's slightly ahead of eight for me, and the only reason eight is lower than nine is because I've played eight way too many times. But nine is just – I don't know. It's so all the characters are like because in the previous installments, they'd gone to a more realistic look for the characters. And then this one takes a step back into like classic fantasy stuff, which is cool. But the aesthetic for me really wasn't what I was looking for in a Final Fantasy game. So uh, but that's personal preference. So uh, I don't make a lot of Final Fantasy nine references, although I'm well versed in the game just because not one of my favorites. Very fun to play if you're playing on double speed, though. When I got the port on Xbox, I played it on double speed, and it was a lot more enjoyable that way. Huh. I might try that, actually. Um, I'm... Anyway, so I responded to the message saying, yeah, that's true. Final Fantasy doesn't get a whole lot of screen time. I wonder why that is. And Mitch responds, Joe is prejudiced? <laughs> <laughs> prejudiced against, against that Final game? Fantasy I know. Yeah, you know. Which I, he kind of explained. He's like, yeah, it's not my favorite. I agree that it's above eight. At least we're, we uh, we can agree on that, but that's because I don't love eight. Yeah, the the store the plot line in eight is not the best. Well, a lot of stuff about it. I don't like I don't like half of the characters at least, 
including the main character, who I'm just like, Squall, that guy. Don't care for the bad guys, even. Like, there's really not a whole lot about that one that I like. Yeah. The only characters I really like in Final Fantasy IX are Vivi, Garnet, Slash Dagger, and uh, and uh, Steiner. I don't like the main character, probably because I don't like the thief class. So mm. the fact that the main character is the thief, I don't really, I'm not, it's not, not for me. See, I don't mind that. So I, I don't have a run with the main character in uh, in nine. Anyway, sorry, that was uh, that was a fun random. Thanks, Mitch, for the messages on Facebook. But yes, you can contact us that way also. I sort of think like what a very odd thing to be like. Why isn't this ever get mentioned on the show? Like, <laughs> I, mean, I think because I make so many Final Fantasy references. He's like, well, what about we get, nine? Yeah, we I, get I, jokes I, about I, it I being guess. a Final Fantasy podcast and stuff from other people. Yeah. So well, yeah, and I, to I, be I, fair, I, now that we're talking about it, I don't feel like I reference eight almost ever. We've talked about it a couple times, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, maybe. I mean, the crossover in Summons and stuff is very uh, akin to Seven, so I guess there's that as well. But also, uh, yeah, we do talk about Final Fantasy probably uh, probably a good <laughs> amount, I feel like. It's not like Futurama level, but... No, yeah, Futurama is yeah. like the top, I think, at this point. It's like, number nine, jump. <laughs> jump jump it. Yeah. And uh, Moby, <laughs> which I don't think he'd ever said no, he never before said that never. episode or after, I think, or after. Oh, man, that's good. Hey, Data, if they want to join the Discord, uh, how do they do that? Uh, I posted the link a few places that we do stuff. But if you uh, if you can't spot it or don't want to mess with looking for it, you can just email or message on Facebook, uh, the Sanderlanch, and I will happily send you a link if you cannot find it easily. Uh, I've all, I've, I I even post it in our description for the episodes every once in a while, but not like consistently, so it might be tough for somebody if you don't know where to look, I suppose. I need to put it more places, honestly. I just also don't want like random bots roaming the internet to be logging into it either, so. No. Anywho, I think that is it. Remember, guys, we're doing five chapters plus the epilogue, plus the traveler for next time. Music by Miracle of Sound, and wasing to the time of next, everyone. To the back of the fall. And when everything